don't hit the red button. I'm actually a little concerned. I hit the red button. Do you see like the kilobyte count? Oh yeah, I'm at 300 and counting. I'm at three. I'm at 368. Oh, let's go. 380, 390, 400. Exponential growth. Go higher. Temperatures are rising. Global warming, dude. Global warming. We're gonna store all this data, dude. The cloud. Store this data. I don't know. Well, I'm gonna make the intro right now because I want to introduce Mike Z so we can get onto our banter, dude. Sweet 16, episode 16 of the Unwise Index starts right now. I'm one half of your host, Akshay, joined by Monik. What's up, Monik? What up, what up? Do you have a good Sweet 16? Do you remember your Sweet 16? No comment. No comment. Don't really want to talk about those memories. You get no presents? I, I think it was actually probably fine. I just don't remember much. <laughs> it was probably fine, though. No memories. No memories I'm trying to repress. But you know what, what memory I will never try to repress? What's that? First time we have our guest, Mike Z, on the Unwise Index right now. Oh, Mike snap. Z. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. I'm doing, uh, I'm doing pretty good. So for those of you who are unaware, Mike is one of our good friends from college. Mike Sicardo, up-and-coming comedian, up-and-coming tastemaker. Up-and-coming already made it. Dude. I've came. Yeah, he already I've made came. it. It's true. We, we've been wanting to have Mike on the show for a while, like a while being at least like half of the show's existence. Mike, I think, brings an interesting perspective among all of our goofy college friends, having an interesting career path or career aspirations that he's trying to follow. So, like, Mike's trying to be a comedian. Mike does comedy stuff. Mike is generally a funny dude. Um, And so we're going to probably pick his brain about uh, sort of his experiences in that field and also, like, sort of what his plans are. Um, Mike also happens to be a software engineer, two things that always go together. (laughs) Where, where where did the love for comedy start, Mike? I, I don't know the I don't know the backstory. I, I can yeah I can I can probably answer that. So, in like middle school and high school, I feel like I okay I don't know how deep the rabbit hole to go, but basically, I was like you know a little uh, a little small, a little goofy. Like in good spirits, I was very easily picked on in like a not as insidious way as that sounds. So I kind of had to cope with that by like humor and like making fun of myself and embracing that. And so I feel like that. I don't want to call it adversity because I've lived a very easy life, but uh, (laughs) that sort of childhood adversity like made me realize like comedy is a fun thing, almost a tool for dealing with shit. Like would you use the comedy like to poke fun at yourself or just be funny to make friends? Kind of both. Like if you can make fun of me, well, I can do that too. And that shows it's not really hurting me so much as it is just like, (laughs) you know what I mean? It's like, so this is like that theory when they talk about like how the, how the smaller human beings would like not get killed by the Kings and like the barbarian tribes and stuff. Like they would make themselves funny or somehow like humorous to like the the big strong men. So like they would keep them around or like they were smarter. So they would like devise strategies or something. So you were like, you were like one of those types. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think it was the, uh, I'm the like, Oh, this jester's phone. Let's not take his head off. We'll, We'll use him until he's no longer comically valuable to us and then discard him. That kind of thing. But I haven't been discarded yet, it would seem, so that's good. Yeah, I think we're all pretty fortunate in that. Like, if we were all, if all of us and, like, within our friend group from college were, like, in those prehistoric times, we, we would all have to be pretty good court jesters, yeah, I think, no. to survive. I think so. You know, we're probably not going to get by on, on slaying dinosaurs <laughs> and shit. But if you want to answer the question more succinctly, uh, I would say getting to college, joining the improv and sketch groups, which was sort of like, yeah, I like I like saying funny stuff, so let's try joining those groups with not a lot of seriousness. And then when I got into them, uh, like when I was accepted into them, I then got into them in terms of being invested and really liked you know performing in them. And that kind of got me going. I'm like, hey, I should maybe keep doing this after college. So you have been working as a software engineer for the last couple of years, but your eventual goal, like your trajectory is still towards comedy, right? I hope that it is. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't so much feel like that's happening yet, but I, I have been working in software since I graduated pretty quickly after I graduated. Um, but I would like to try to 
bend the ladder climbing towards the the career ladder climbing to towards a comedy or more creative yeah comic output you know software engineering is, is interesting enough certainly pays the bills and more but like yeah, i don't want to end up necessarily at the very top of that if that makes sense yeah totally i mean do you feel that like software engineering you're using right now is a way to as you said like climb the ladder in the comedy world how do you think of the the problem like i know something i wrestle with all the time is you know, if I really want to flourish in a hobby, like podcasting, for for example, yeah. like, do I forego everything and just go head first into my interest and hobby to be successful and not, I, I can't play like both sides of the coin? Yeah, that is, like, that is a very good question. And I, I was pretty much directly posed with that a little more than a year ago when I, um, so my first programming job out of school, I was um, working at a company in New York. And then in November of 2014, it was, I, I quit that job. Not so much because like I quit software to be a comedian. I just, I wasn't really, uh, it was sort of the time had come to leave that job, but I didn't have the next one lined up. So I was in a state of, well, yeah. I have no job. By the way, let me so, just insert the yeah. fact that Mike has told me the greatest fun employment stories post that first job that I think I've heard from anybody. <laughs> I mean, I've you told, had a, you, it sounds like you had a great time. I told, oh, I had a, <laughs> well, I, it was just really, yeah, like... <laughs> To give an example, so the story my roommates always point to is a brief, very brief aside, is that, you know, um, I liked to, uh, it was terrible, historically bad weather that New York winter, 2014 into 15. So I didn't really want to leave my apartment ever because I didn't have a job and didn't have a job and the weather was horrific, like polar vortex, snowing, raining, whatever. So I'd stay in the house a lot and I would like make some comedy videos, plug for my YouTube channel, bam, organic. <laughs> and like, you know, make like mixes of whatever music together, like stuff like that. And I would be on my computer for hours. So, so sometimes I like wouldn't leave my bedroom. Like I wouldn't get dressed and like my door would be closed. And one day my roommates both came home from work. And at like 10 p.m., I left, I opened the door into the, like the living room from my bedroom. Lights were off. I'm like in my boxers and they were like, what? You're in the house. How are you here right now? Like, they had no idea. <laughs> there. I hadn't eaten, drank, done anything yet that day, 10 PM. <laughs> and uh, it was, they kind of make the you know, dream. It was the dream. It really was the dream. <laughs> were you more creative when you were like hold in like that? Did I think that so. Yeah. I mean, I think yeah. so. You know, you, you don't, you come home from work. When you come home from work, you, you, there's a combination of I want to do something creative because I feel like I've been <clears throat> stifled. I just did air quotes. Just I know this is a podcast, but I did, I'm stifled all day, so I want to be creative. So there's that angle, but there's also that, well, I need to eat dinner, probably do chores of some kind. Like, there's a very small window in the day when you really can sit at a computer for, or whatever and for hours and produce something. Um, so yeah, definitely. If you don't have a job, you can be creative a lot more easily. <laughs> it sounds pretty compelling. I mean, yeah. like you said, like when it's when it's when it's relegated to the margins, you just don't get like that. Like, I am going to sit here for six hours and beat my head against this thing, sort of time yeah. during the week at least. Yeah, I think so. And so when when Monica asked, like, well, should you basically like half measures? Like, should you have a half half measure? Like, work yeah. some kind of job and then do this, or go? I kind of think. If well, if you're in a position where you can support yourself financially for a little while, you yeah. maybe should go ham. Like I didn't go ham enough last time I quit, but I think if the next time it will be go ham. Just put yeah. all your eggs in one basket. Like if you have a little bit of a nest built, nest egg built for yourself, to wake up and start being creative. Not wake up, go to work, come home, do stuff, then be creative. Like that makes it a lot harder. And I know that most people don't have that chance, and I understand that that's a difficult. But if you can get yourself in that situation, I think you should do it. And I think I will hopefully at some point do it. So yeah, so you so you you had that period that stint between your first and second software engineering gigs, yeah. and were you doing comedy during that at all? Like you were doing the YouTube uh, stuff, of course, like you mentioned. But like, 
I guess it's probably worth taking a step back. Yeah. When you say like aspirations in comedy, are we talking about stand-up comedy? Are we talking about no. like producing, writing? Like like what flavor? If like there's anything specific to it, or is it kind of like multiple things yeah, you're interested in? Yeah, that's. Uh, I guess I have. So I haven't totally honed it down yet. But what I will say, I, so to answer that question first, is that yeah, I was doing. I was on like a, an improv team that performed every week in a, a theater in Queens. Uh, it was the secret. Uh, sorry, the Queen's Secret Improv Club. Oh, right. This is the thing that we showed up to right when the show ended that for one time. Yeah, the audiences were very small. <laughs> no one knew about it. <laughs> but yeah, I was doing that. And I was, so I was doing that. I took a commercial acting class, which was actually really fun. And the teacher seemed to seemed to think I was doing pretty good. And, and so like I was thinking about maybe, okay, let's do some freelance programming. Let's see if I can be in some commercials. Like I had this whole plan together. And then I like kind of, and this is like the... This is like the least relatable. This is the least relatable problem that I can possibly say I had. But basically, a job offer as a full-time software engineer was like thrust onto me. I'm like, now I have to choose between this like steady job <laughs> and like, goddamn, this is like I'm an unlikable guest. So what far. was wait commercial acting classes? Like, how did they, what was what what was the content of these classes? The team, yeah. Like, I don't understand. What was the motivation for choosing to do? Choosing that? to do that was well, I got choosing to do that was. I'm in bed right now, and I just realized that there is. I'm in bed right now. There is not. There is not a single commitment that I uh, had, like basically, except for maybe going to improv. Not even that often. Like I could just not be anywhere, and no one would be like, uh, "Where's Mike? Why isn't he at this thing he's supposed to be at?" I'm like, "Wow, I, sh- I got to get some things going on the books." So I'm like, "This class looks interesting." And it's like, it was sort of um, like improv for commercial acting. And the theme of the class was, yeah, you can just read the lines on the page, but those aren't even the lines that are necessarily going to be in the commercial. And they want to see that you're funny. And by an easy way to demonstrate you're funny in a very short time is riffing off the material on the paper. So it's kind of like strategies for sort of improvising given like a rough script. And it was actually pretty interesting. Yeah, it sounds cool. Yeah. Did you try out for some commercials at post that class? Well, no, because I got because I, I got the job How much did right this away. class cost? <laughs> like, was it a, like was it an expensive class? Like on the gradient of classes that you can pay for, where do comedy classes line up? Like, are they very expensive endeavors? Ooh, yeah. So um, that is kind of a hard question to answer because I'll tell you. Basically, the class was a couple hundred dollars, I think, for s- six weeks, and like uh, imp- UCB classes, which are like all the rage. You have to kind of like follow on Twitter and like mash the sign up button when they say it comes out. Those are like 450 for eight classes of three hours each. So that's 24 hours of class for uh, $450, I think. Now that depends on what, you know, how much money you have kind of, because I know a lot of people yeah. who are into this aren't, you know, maybe, maybe doing the 40 hour a week job. So whatever 450 is to someone for eight, for like, you know, eight classes it seems kind yeah, it's not cheap. Like that's like, you know, half a month's rent if you're trying to live somewhere you know, fairly. everybody knows all all comedians are already affluent, Mike. Kind of <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, comedians all live like kings. So you're so you're doing so you're kind of like you're in that in between state, and then you you fall into this this second software engineering job, and you're currently sort of like you're in this same position, um, and you've actually been out on the West Coast now, and so we've, we've like you said we've been able to hang out, which has been awesome, yeah. um, not as much as I would have liked, but. You know, hashtag regrets, hashtag suboptimal arrangements. <laughs> and I, let me just say real quick that life. I loved your episode um, about 
regrets or like trying to figure out how to live your life or like use your 20s like pre-marriage phase i really uh spoke to me um so it's like we really like the fact that you appreciate that it'd be great if uh, when we make a linkedin profile uh you could endorse the unwise index (laughs) and say specifically that you like that episode that'd be great if you have the existential crisis and angst uh skill i will be one of the people (laughs) who endorses endorses it yeah absolutely um so, 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 yeah, but like your current trajectory right now, so you're like, you're thinking about getting to LA or getting somewhere and is it the stand up stuff? Is it writing? Is it, you know, being in the next Imodium commercial? Like, what is it you want to go towards next? <laughs> oh man. Oh, I can't go. Imodium. <laughs> you can, I don't know. Uh, you just riffed that. You just, you just made, made that up right genius. now. Tom you just made that. Uh, I'd watch that commercial. Oh, I, I, I'm a young aspiring comedian, but when I'm on stage, it feels like my stomach is totally full. Because <laughs> I uh, actually it would be better if it was uh, incontinence. Because like I have to run off stage to go, whereas emodium's like the opposite problem. I'm learning new things right now. <laughs> no, was, what, you, what did you just ask me? You said, "Oh yeah, LA." Right? Can you say it again? Where are you going? <laughs> Where are you going? <laughs> what's next, dude? What's next? Yeah, right. <laughs> um, what's next? Uh, yeah. So okay. So I guess um, I'm. I'm out here in, uh, on the West Coast getting to see Akshay when uh, work allows and whatever, uh, which has you know, been often. Um, but next is that I'm probably going to go, or almost certainly going to go to uh, L.A. I have an aunt and uncle who live there. Nice. Uh, for context, my job is generally remote. My company's based in the U.K., but I'm on the West Coast now because one of our clients is specifically located in Santa Clara, so I'm working at that office. But when that ends, I can go back to being remote, and I figure because I'm already out here, I'll go down to LA. So I'm going to go to LA and probably try to find a sublet and like feel it out, you know, spend as long as I feel like it's a good place to be there. You know, I don't need to like set too specific of a timeline. And yes, try to get back into improv. They have a UCB out there. Um, Stand up is the kind of thing that I haven't done enough of because I'm, I'm lazy. I'm a lazy person. So you say UCB. I thought you meant UC Berkeley. Oh, what is sorry. UCB? Upright Citizens Brigade. Uh, it's an ah. improv theater in New York and LA. Um, it jumpstarts a lot of careers. Like a lot of SNL people have been through that, or just you know, Comedy Central shows like Broad Cities, UCB Girls, like stuff like that. Yeah. Um, oh, Broad I City! I love Broad City! Yay! Yeah. Oh, actually, <laughs> if I can I take this chance, I remember last episode you guys were talking about why you think the show was called that. I can posit a feeling about about that. Yeah. Um, broad is a, a colloquial sort of term, a disparaging term for for a woman, and so they're kind of owning. I believe they're kind of owning that word. Uh, broad, and then oh. they live in a city. So. Uh, <laughs> we actually sense. got this piece of feedback from uh, our other friend Mango, but he said it much more snarkily yeah. via Twitter. So I appreciate yeah. you saying that in a nice way, yeah. Mike. Breaking it down um, for us. Much appreciated. Yeah. Well, again, you know, that's uh, you know, I'm not necessarily the most qualified gender-wise to make to, but I think that's what they're going for. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think that's what they're going. No, for. but do you think like I've like UCB is really famous, as you said. And are you seeing a lot of people get their break via getting the connections from something like UCB? Or do you have you seen success stories in the comedic world of people just, you know, pounding the pavement on YouTube and their, you know, personal friend circle? Or do you really need something special to get going and make a career out of it? Yeah, I kind of think it's uh, I think it's a bit of a combo, like in the sense that I know people who are going a lot more ham at it than I am. Like they will pound the pavement. They'll have their own. They'll have an indie team. They'll have practice groups. They'll try to get. Wait, like you mean like an indie? T- oh, what is sorry, it? Yeah, team? No, an independent improv team. Meaning this is a team that's not. Oh, okay. A, so basically, there's a house team and an indie team. A house team hmm. is like UCB. Like for example, UCB is like the most uh, desirable house team in New York. So you have to audition. Like I auditioned one year for it. There were. I think eight or nine hundred auditioners, wow. eighty callbacks, 
10 acceptances, something like that, something like 10% of each number before it. Um, so I guess 1% of the whole thing. Yeah, really hard. But if you get on that, then you're sort of... Uh, can you hear that noise? That's my ice maker making ice in my freezer. <laughs> it's so fine. icy, I'll, dude. I'll You'll just get fixed in post. Uh, yeah, so basically... Yeah, dude, it? It's all going to go away it's in post. Go away post. Dude. This whole, this whole <laughs> thing is going to five like, minutes yeah. in post. Oh, yeah, so basically, yeah, getting through, getting to a house team, getting to a team like that um, where you do have some exposure and your name gets around, I think is big on in yeah. uh, conjunction with getting a YouTube channel with videos on that, doing things on the side, something where you don't need an audition to be accepted, things that you can just put out there, which is yeah. the beauty of YouTube. So I think it's a combination. And I have seen success in people doing both of those. Generally, I've seen them when they do both. I mean, it seems like even, it's it's like not even just the YouTube stars and like you see like, of course, these incredible, crazy success stories like PewDiePie and people who are like making millions and millions off of YouTube, but it's like vines and stuff as well. There's like a giant yeah. vine convention or something out in LA like annually now. It's like, Basically, any form of medium that allows you to be like, you know, express your comedic intent and like get listeners directly, like it's like catching fire. Like it seems like it's caught fire, especially like the last like three to four years. I don't know, two to three. Yeah. It's all about um, your hashtag game, dude. You yeah, I, I was hearing like, you know, like like the teens, or the, you know, the kids these days, like they're all about like Vine, like just like straight up. Like Vine is not even that popular, like relative to Twitter, even though it's owned by Twitter among most people. But like Vine is like a thing. Like they're like Vine stars, like that just make like on the order of like YouTube star money now. Um, so Mike Z, just a thing to consider. I yeah, mean, maybe Vine, Vine stuff. I will say my 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 limited experience with having to really use. Okay, so Twitter is obviously something that I should be better on. I just like never. When it first started, I'm like, this just seems like it's the Facebook status. But then no more, none of the other Facebook parts of it. Obviously, it's grown tremendously in value since then in terms of it being good to use. I just like, I don't know. Should do that. But also my Instagramming, which. Uh, I've been told I'm really bad at Instagram. My like, captions aren't funny. My hashtags aren't necessarily relevant. <laughs> yeah, I, get, I get my Instagram game shit on too. Everyone's like, I just take pictures of environments. They're yeah. like, do you hang around with people at all? Like, these are just all trees and shit. Yeah. And I'm like, thanks. Thanks for shitting all over my photography. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's I, I feel you on that. I feel you on that. What are these auditions like? Like, what, what, what one question I want to have is like, one, where do you think you're funniest? Like, do you think you're funniest in the medium of improv or these auditions or like a premeditated video where you can like craft the jokes? Like, where do you think you, um, yeah. what do you enjoy doing the most versus where do you think you perform the best? Right. Okay. So I, oh, good question. I really do enjoy improv. I enjoy improv because A, like I said before, I'm lazy and I don't have to write or prepare yeah. things for it. Obviously, you practice yeah. a couple nights a week for a few hours, but that's like hanging out with people you like, being funny together. I mean, there are obviously, there are rules and there's strategies and there's things that if you want to go into, I can I describe. enjoyed the hell out of improv when I took it senior Oh, year. yeah. That creative was, improv. That was a fun time. <laughs> yeah, I remember you guys did that together. <laughs> I will say, I think I've been to 90% of the Butter Niblet shows, the improv group you were in. Yeah. yeah, probably eighty percent for me, maybe seventy-five, yeah, maybe sixty. 70. You know, I was a 50, fan. 40. Sixty, fifty. And I went to one. Yeah, no, that was. Thank you. It was. Uh, those were really fun. And 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 actually, it's kind of like you go to that show. College camp is pretty small. Not that much going on. So you can get fifty to a hundred people to come into a theater like that. I mean, on, yeah. on a good night, and that was really fun. And then you go to New York, and like you're at the Queen's Secret Improv Club. No offense to that club, although it has shut down due to lack of money. So I can kind of oh. make fun of it. <laughs> Yeah, you get like seven people there. And I feel like I can't do my best. Imp now, this is one of those like you have to pay your dues to get the audience. But I think as an improviser, it is harder to do a good job with a small audience because you feed off the energy of the audience. You feed off the laughter. Yeah. You're being reinforced that what you're doing is good when you get laughs. And when there's seven people in there, 
you know <laughs> it's like you know maybe it's not what, quite how did how did it wait what, how, what money did the group need to survive like i'm the assuming group that the theater i guess needed it to like have the space uh, pay rent you know what i mean see, I see. okay i it's thought it was paid, like yeah. pop up it's like random spots no, it was it was it was an established place. There are you know there are other ways you can do indie like you know you can uh, there are there are bars in New York that will have like yeah. the improv basement where they're like known nights of the week and stuff to that has improv and things like that. Um, but yeah, no, that the theater kind of went belly up just because yeah, you're not getting enough people to come through and there's obviously a lot of comedy op. It's just a saturated comedy yeah. so, so you know, saturated. Like, you know, so many options. people like laughing. Yeah, a little ignorant of like how improv translates to like a professional comedian's career though. Is it typically stand up? That's like the crossover or Yeah. I think like so. what what do people who are good at improv typically go like sort of what's their segue? Cuz I guess maybe improv in itself is pretty popular in certain cities, but I don't like associate, you know, like the most famous comedians with like as being improv comedians, right? right? I think you're totally right. I think you have to cross over into stand up or comic acting cuz like stand up it's your name, you know, you're not your name is not hidden behind the name of the group. You can have a special on Comedy Central, you can have you can things where your name, you know, a search for your name yields a result of you doing stand up. I think that's more marketable yeah. and I think that um, also like okay, this guy, you know, this guy is a made it onto a house team at UCB. He's well known in the comedy niche thing. Let's get him onto a Comedy Central show. Now the layman, let's say, is maybe, you know, now he becomes a household name or a if not household, then more than just people who do improv in New York know this guy's funny. Like, you got to get on TV or do stand-up, I think. Yeah, you have to do that to really... I'm calling it right now. Less than equal to five years. Mike Z Netflix special. I'm calling it. Wait, less than equal to... <laughs> less so, than or equal to five years from now. So obviously, if, if, if never would count as greater than, right? That's like a philosophical question. <laughs> uh, yeah. 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 I guess if I never do that, then it would be greater. Okay, less than equal to... So five years old. I'm 26. It's 31. It's 2021. 20, I can see that. Uh, less than equal to Netflix special. I'm calling. <laughs> what it. would you call your? Have you thought about what you would call your Netflix special? Yeah. Uh, yeah. If, uh, I've thought about it. Don't have a. Don't have the snappy answer for you right now. I gotta putting you on the spot. What do you think? <laughs> All right. Well, then, how about I just pick a name right now, and then in 2021, I'm gonna go with equal to. So I'm saying it's 2021. <laughs> I have a special. We gotta and hold would, you to it. And, and it would be called. Uh, yeah. Am I allowed to steal? Am I allowed to steal another comedian's line in his stand-up to be the title of mine? Because that's what I want to do. <laughs> what, what, what would it be? Might, you gotta uh, give credit. This, uh, so John Mulaney, uh, this might as well happen. This okay. might as well happen because that's how I feel. I, I can see yeah. that. I can see that fitting with the Mike Z brand of comedy. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's totally you know uh, John Mulaney. Yeah, that's how I feel about life. Like yeah, this might as well happen. If it's something that's <laughs> shitty or just whatever. It's like yeah, this might as well happen. <laughs> So is like John Mulaney is actually one of those guys whose uh, whose stand up I have or is is special I have queued up to watch but haven't oh, yet. Is he like yeah. so like segue here being like who are the like comedians or stand up comedians you like you admire most or you are most like when their new shit drops you're sure. like I gotta watch that shit yeah. like right now so, RN uh, right, right now. So maybe I'll go from uh, I'll go in the order of uh, least likely to teach and I'm gonna go from least likely to inform a listener of a new comedian as in the most famous down to slightly more uh, so Louis CK love it everyone's heard of him yeah. he's fantastic he's popular for a reason he's really really goddamn good at his job love him yeah then I like uh, John Mulaney also yeah uh, do do what do watch or listen to whatever however you want to consume it his specials his first one new in town fantastic instantly became quotable amongst friend group just like dropping lines all the time this might as well happen being one of course and then his second special, good, not as great. I think the first one was so good that it was hard to match. Um, Mike Berbiglia. And I actually feel like his delivery reminds me, or I guess he reminds me of how I talk. Like, he is a storyteller first and foremost. His stand-up is like, 
uh, he has a funny delivery. A lot of things are funny because of how he says it, and it's a narrative. It's not just like here's a joke and then segue. You know, dating's tough too. You tell a joke, yeah, man, and like my parent, like you don't just keep going in these little splinters. Like it's it's a it's a fluid narrative that's funny, yeah. and so I, that's the kind yeah. of stand up that I want to do. And the brief times I've done it, I've tried to do it that way. So I really like Mike Birbiglia. Um Patrice O'Neill, he's dead, but I really yeah. liked what he. I love <laughs> right, considered to be the god by many. Also, I'm abandoning this order of like obscurity because Patrice is probably fuck that original order. I'm just going to tell comedians that when I think of them, uh, if you like this sort of fast one-liner kind of comedy, I enjoy some of some of Mike Kaplan's uh, quick one-liners. M Y Q Kaplan, um, mm-hmm. he's good. Can I just? Never heard I of can him. tell one of his jokes again. I'm just going to continue this theme of theft. Um, but I'm, it's a good way to start your career. Yeah, exactly. Mike. But here we go. I'm going to quote. I'm going to. This is 100% of my Kaplan jokes for anyone who edits this podcast to make it seem like I'm stealing. <laughs> Monic, yeah. yeah. And my favorite joke of his is um, is uh, it goes like this. It's like uh, I'm Jewish, you know, but I'm not uber Jewish, right? You know, I'm comfortable using German to describe how Jewish I am. <laughs> All right. Well, I thought that's good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. I, I, la- I laughed on the inside. Okay. Well, it's quick like that. I, I like that one. I am um, so I think like Louis C.K. It's interesting. Like I, he's one of those guys like you mentioned who is so popular, but also he, um, he's really fucking good yeah, if you listen to him. Like he's like he's like one of the comedians. Like I think actually, um, like Bill Burr has kind of like a very ah like, yeah like a, Bill a, Burr. A, he has kind of an affrontive <laughs> style to how he does it. But they both have this ability. I think Louis C.K. has like maybe maxes out on the charts of anybody I've seen who has the ability to basically say something funny or awkward but like while you're laughing at it you're like wow he made a pretty like he like delved below the surface and made like some sort of like more poignant point yeah. like I remember one of the jokes he made around like if I'm as a white man like I would love to travel back in time oh, yeah. to any <laughs> yeah. point in time because it'd be awesome because yeah. I'm a white dude but he's like I never want to be flung forward, forward in time yeah. because he's like you know we're going to pay for that shit yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, was, it was like it was like just his delivery was amazing like, um, yeah, that, that was, yeah, I don't want to go forward because they're going to yeah, right yeah I, we're going to pay for that shit um, I'm not saying that I'm not saying that uh, that white people are better but being white is clearly better I would re-up on that every year yeah, <laughs> like that, yeah. Good. And you know what? He actually, he, I think he's one of the best at being able to say things that if you, that out of context would be like, how could, like, how could he get away with saying that? Like he drops the N word yeah. in every single thing he does. Like it's, I feel like he almost makes a point of it to, to show like, I'm so good at getting the audience on my side that I can, everything I do, I can put this in it and it's going to be fine. Like, I don't know. I mean, yeah, totally. I mean, comedian with the best job right now is fucking Jerry Seinfeld with his comedians and cars getting coffee. <laughs> yeah. Just drives around in balling cars <laughs> and just talks to people and makes like mad bank off of these sponsorships. It's like, dude, you already have like $800 million. Leave some for the rest of us. And man. just sold like 20 cars, apparently. I read oh that he just goodness, sold a huge disgusting. chunk of cars. I love I love Seinfeld and I love Jerry Seinfeld, but like that's just disgusting. Yeah, that's a lot of money. So when you get you're down in LA. Let's imagine you're there like next week. Like, what is the first thing you do? Mm-hmm. Is it UCB stuff? Yeah. Like, how do you how do you like plant your claws into that? Scene? First thing like, I do, what, like, yeah, because people people might be listening and thinking like, how do I if I'm going to move to LA? Or maybe I am in LA. Yeah. Like, what do I do? What is Mike Z's plan? Cool. Well, what I'll t- so here's what I've thought about. Uh, so thankfully, um, <laughs> credits at improv classes transfer from New York to LA. So I've been checking that site on the reg, looking to sign up for class. So I'm going to sign up for an an, uh, sort of advanced improv class, whatever. So to take a UCB class, continue on from where I was in New York. So get that out of the way. Uh, Join an improv, either like a practice group or something. And the reason why I can kind of just do that is because I have a friend living there who I've talked to and he seemed pretty down with having me join his like, uh, it's either a practice group, which is an indie team is basically a practice group that perform, that performs at places that will have, 
you know, teams show up. And a practice group is just a, a group of kids who... I just imagine you all in, like, a gym hall stretching, like, yeah. in, like, your, like, sort of, like, you know, team uniforms and shit. Yeah, you, you, yeah the, the uniform being the plaid shirt and jeans of... Just kind of giving the other team, like, nasty looks. Like, <laughs> you know what's going to go down. You know what's up. Well, you know, there are actually, there are improv, um, there are, what's it called? God damn it, I can't remember the name. Um, uh, cage match, which is basically a UCB has where teams will perform, uh, you know, uh, one and then the next team comes up and performs and the audience votes on who they want to win. So like, there is a competition, so you can have a little bit of that stretching, doing the thing where you point your fingers to your eyes and point to their eyes to show that you're watching. There's <laughs> a little of that going on. Uh, yeah. But yeah, and I was actually in one of those once. Uh, and you have to win three of them to get to become like a, if not a house team, it used to be like a more regularly appearing team. So we won the first one and then we lost, I'd say lost handily to a very funny uh, group. I will just add for color, uh, for, for, you know, more vivid. Uh, they were all girls, an all female group that beat us. And it was very, you know, it was a very, uh, I thought it was actually an important, vaguely humbling experience because of the sort of unfair, shitty, like, thing that all guys kind of think is that well you know the the thing that guys feel that they're funnier than girls like it was definitely very good and important to lose to an all girl group if that's so you lost but you got a life (laughs) exactly (laughs) but maybe i really won um you know uh, (laughs) no you lost lost. no i did definitely lost uh i I tried to use that argument and they're like no but you were less funny than them and didn't people didn't raise your hand yeah but i learned something now (laughs) no you're not going anywhere so uh yeah no i definitely was like yes Fuck, go fuck. I'll just go fuck myself for having that feeling of, of like, weird sexist comedy superiority. It's like, that's bullshit. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's bullshit. Um, so. Oh, yeah. So basically just join a, join a practice group or indie team if you can. Take a UCB class. And then I'm thinking, like, you know, there's a lot of student film going on there. It's, you know, there are, you can always audition for student films, possibly of the comedic variety. So I'd want to try to do that. Get into, like... You know, they need actors. I wouldn't get paid. What, what do you think, like, if you're, if you're, like, looking in the paper and you yeah. see, like, you know, two dozen, three dozen roles, like, what role, what description of an actor in one of those films jumps out and says, this is a Mike Z role, this is the role I'm going to, I think I can get? Yeah. Uh, so, let's just, I really, it has to go down to some of the most fundamental things about me. We're talking, uh, we're talking non-union, we're talking white, we're talking 20s. <laughs> <laughs> we're talking white. Just talking things that define me white. to the core. No, I, I would guess like a role that would maybe be if there was some description of being, uh, I mean, I have some range, but if I want to do well, I might as well play to where I have to act the least. So we're talking some amount of neurotic or like high energy or like this kind of, uh, you know, that the kind of, you guys know, I guess listeners don't know me that well, but maybe they do now. It's been a long time and so far. <laughs> Just the kind of like minutes. energy, comic, uh, comic manic energy, maybe a possibly a high-strung character could work. Something where I think that I could feed into this, what you are all hearing right now, you know, not that kind of of role. Um, But yeah, pretty much to get started, just, okay, white, 20s, non-union, yeah, I'll try that one. (laughs) Uh, Calling it now. Mike Z, going to be YouTube star, star. independent film star, Netflix star, movie star. Sweet. And then you guys will be... (laughs) uh, Once I have a... Once I have a, let's see, right now I have a double-digit Twitter following. Once I have a quadruple-digit... Yes, sir. Oh, then you tweet the NYZ. That's what's exactly. the fame, dude. Exactly. We're retweeting the That's, I think, honestly, like, so Monica and I have been talking about this, um, you know, as, as we plot our, our plans for world, world auditory domination. Yes. Like, we just need the bit to flip, man. We just need one person who is, like, a minor, 
even like me- a medium celebrity to like retweet one of our episodes. Like I think like it is it is a, it is sort of like a binary thing like that. Like we'll, we'll sort of like the listener base will sort of like rumble for a while, but like once you hit that sort of like bit flip, I think I think that's I think that, that's how you get success, right? That's how you get like the massive listener base. That's my theory. Yeah. Well, maybe Aziz will retweet this and be like, "You two are awesome. Fuck that wannabe white boy, fucking <laughs> <laughs> asshole." But yeah, you guys are great. Or he'll retweet every other episode, but this one, you know, something like that. Yeah, but you're right. We just gotta like, like, like some people have mentioned like different strategies for how you get like podcasts. Like someone was like, get Instagram ads. Those look pretty good. I'm like, I don't know if I want to put Instagram ads out there. Monica, I've been thinking about guerrilla marketing. Like, should we like cut flyers and post them up everywhere? Like, you know, I guess we kind of spoiled the guerrilla factor. We just announced yeah. it, but it'll be surprising. <laughs> it'll be gorilla. surprising. Yeah. When you see um, it, the design's gonna be crazy. Like, we gotta somehow inject the unwise index into the into the medium into into the petri dish. Yeah. Into the minds of the youth. <laughs> the youth. And, yeah, um, that's hard. I don't know how you do that. Cause I, so it's, I so if you become famous first, what we're saying, you're just going to piggyback off of your success. That's great. I, I, that's the thing. I, I'm sure every person who is in a career where their ultimate goal is to be famous has all the plans. Like, all right, who, how am I going to help out people? Who am I gonna, who's going to be my posse? Who am I going to use? Yeah, my, yeah. Who am I going to give shout outs to? Who am yeah. I going to help out? Who am I going to say, fuck you to? <laughs> yeah, you guys are definitely, yeah, you'll be on there. Hopefully uh, we're not in the third category. Imagine the, imagine the ROI in this podcast. Like, you have to deal with me for like, you know, an hour, and then bam, five years from now when I have a Netflix special. You, you retweet this might just well this episode. You don't retweet the unwise thing. <laughs> yeah. just this one episode. <laughs> bam, huge return on investment. Yeah, it's like, I, we, it's like I think about the Twitter game, too. And it's like you mentioned it before. Like, you join Twitter. You know, you have a couple dozen followers. Like, I have, like, uh, you know, I have, like, not many more than that. And it's like, yeah. I use Twitter as, like, a custom news feed. But it's like, in terms of tweeting... In terms of like getting a following, it seems much like the same thing as with podcasts. It's like either you get retweeted by like Mike Tyson or you like, you know, you write some blog or something that people like and you have like a niche following. But it's like I don't know how you like get otherwise like traction in like this. It seems like YouTube is like much more achievable. Like random YouTube yeah. people can just like. Wait, Mike, see, weren't you at the top of Reddit once? Weren't you front page Reddit? Uh, yeah, yeah, but it was for like some uh, it was like this stupid Facebook status I made and then. Uh, yeah, so Wait, I guess technically page, right? I, I was on the front page a couple of years ago. That's, that's impressive. Um, yeah, dude, that might have been your shot. <laughs> yeah, no, I've tried. Yeah, I guess I've I technically have been there. And I was actually, you know what? I was a, I was a back in the rage comic making days. I made I made front page of f- 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 ooh a bunch of times. That was kind of cool. Uh, <laughs> but that's pretty nice. Uh, didn't get that. <laughs> that burned hard and fucking it. fast. I got so over that so quickly, as most did, as did most people. So we'll make a pact right now. If one of us gets a massive jump in listeners, followers, whatever yeah. the social media quotient is, yeah. we will plug absolutely, the others. Absolutely, absolutely. That's Patch. digital handshake right now. Boom. Digital handshake. <laughs> Diffie Hellman. We're, we're doing it. All right. Diffie Hellman. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Hashtag nerd jokes. <laughs> yeah. So we would be remiss if we had you on the podcast to not talk about the elephant in the room. The giant Republican oh, elephant sure. in the room. I know you have many thoughts about this. I guess I have some. I mean, uh, I don't know what to make of it. What, it's, 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 uh, it's fascinating. I think so. Obviously, we're at the sort of pr- we're at a prime age of political interest right now. Um, but it's definitely the most interesting election season we've ever been alive for. I think. I mean, by yeah. far. Um, yeah. You know. Uh, Which is saying something because yeah. 08 was pretty. It was yeah, it was. But this is you still have a you still have a reasonable, fairly to some extent, um, bipartisan, like John McCain, he's a reason, I'm saying he's a reasonable man. Maybe he has position. Someone could quote a position of his that's terrible, but the point yeah. is he doesn't seem like he's off the rails. He seems like he's a regular guy. And Obama, this 
upstart. You know, people can get behind him. His message sounds good. Like that's exciting, but this is just this is just off the rails, right? I mean, this is just this shit yeah. crap. Poor little Marco. We got a shout out an R.I.P. for little Marco. Marco. Yeah, that little, was Marco. little Marco Rubio. <laughs> yeah, R.I.P. Marco, dude. Yeah. Um, ben Carson endorsed Trump this past <sighs> week. I think yeah. um, he might have been asleep while he did it. Unclear. Yeah. Hard to know. Hard to know. Um, but Marco's having like a panic attack when he's talking to press. Yeah, he's like, "The Republic, it's it's dying, guys. Yeah. It's dying. <laughs> what are we doing?" Yeah, they do look mad, mad deflated. The question, I mean, I, I watched so you uh, before this podcast. There was a we all three of us watched the full interview of his post defeat. But it was definitely tough when he gets asked about the thing that most people have seen. He gets asked, "Will you support Donald Trump?" Yeah. He's like, "Uh." uh I just can't believe you're asking me that right now. Like, oh. it's like so you see, it's like the Simpsons. Like the moment his heart breaks, you can see it. Like, you can just pause the video and see him. Yeah, it was tough. It was really tough to watch. Yeah, and he and he's like, um, like he was just like, like people actually think he's serious when he says like, yeah, I'm just gonna finish out my term. I'm done with politics. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm just gonna go be a private citizen. Like he's just like so fucking like. Just like at like he just can't he cannot comprehend what has happened. It's and I don't you know who can blame him because it's it's really what are the, it's so hard to know why he's like I, I kind of cycle between like is the simplest solution true that like just a lot of America's kind of fucked up and they like Trump or is there like more nuanced like less black and white reasons for why he's got support like I hope to think I like to think it's that one that there's not just one like easy East Coast liberal hand-waving reason why Trump is doing so well, but... Uh, well, as a West Coast whatever, liberal, yeah. I agree with you. A coastal liberal, yeah. As a coastal liberal. Um, no, it's like, I, I think I think actually Rubio in the interview hit on it pretty well. He's like, there's a lot of anger here, yeah. and like there's a lot of like legitimate, diffuse reasons for why the anger exists, and he's like, Trump is choosing to channel it. Um, I'm not so sure if he had the same opportunity, he wouldn't also choose to channel That's it. That's what I was he's thinking like exactly, it sound, he's like, actually. He's making it sound like... Yeah. Oh, you know, we got to take the high road and try to like lift people's spirits. It's like, um, I, I think like he probably has this duality where he both acknowledges that it's a very destructive thing to do, but he also is like, man, I wish I had thought yeah, that. Yeah, that I wish I was capable of that shit. Definitely one possible subtext. The whole time you're like, well, obviously you're the party that's not in power, uh, presidentially speaking, so you obviously have to use some anger and backlash because that's the material you have. We're not in power. Here's why things are wrong. So like, he probably feels like, I wish I could just do it as well as him, but since I failed, I have to condemn it. <laughs> it's like, yeah. you know. He has the biggest ears I've ever seen. <laughs> He's sweating. He's sweating so much. He's I've choking. never seen a young man sweat so much. <laughs> little, little Marco and Lion Ted, genius. Na- have memorable, you know, memorable yeah. buzzwords for your opponents. <laughs> I think you think Donald Trump would do pretty well in, in improv. I think he. I think he oh, do pretty yeah. well. Yeah. Well, he, yeah, he, he sort of he'll get asked a question, and he does a great job of. So there's a there's a f- fundamental the. Oh, a lot of people uh, may have heard of this actually like the fundamental rule of improv before anything else is the is yes and right that's yes, yes. and yep. you accept what has been put forth in this comedy universe that you're creating and and the and is build on it add more information whereas Donald Trump is like a Donald Trump's kind of like a ignore other it's like ignore <laughs> new idea that's not really that fleshed out <laughs> so it's like any question, and then he'll just be like, "Yeah, well, I make Trump vodka. You know, million, millions and millions of people are supporting me." It's like, I, I just, I cannot get over how much I love like when he says, like, 
in in place of numbers or facts, we'll just like use exaggerated terms. Like, I am so smart, so, so smart. smart. Yeah. And any issue, I went to that he... I went to the Wharton School of Economics, dude. Yeah, how smart I am. I know I know big words. I know the, best, the best words. words. Any issue, he is so good at, so smart. It'll make your head spin. And also, hundreds or thousands of people have called him or written letters about the thing in question, like always. <laughs> You saw like you saw the Obama video that I linked you guys to where Obama was at a fundraiser yeah, in Texas yeah. and he's just like what the fuck? <laughs> he's like what is going on? He's like that he's pitching wine and steaks and all sorts I kind of want to do I, I kind of want to try Trump steak and Trump wine before I make my decision here cuz if, if the, if the stuff is good then maybe he's going to be uh good as a president as well. Going to make some good deals. Maybe only in the White House you can only have like only Trump brand shit like no, no non-Trump stuff in the White House. Like state dinners, you're getting Trump steaks. Even if it's like with like you know the vegetarian president of India, he's getting yeah. a Trump steak. <laughs> I mean, have any of you actually experienced a Trump-produced product? Like, have you stayed in a Trump uh, tower or hotel or anything? Uh, like I, don't that? Think I did. So. I think Trump I actually property. did stay in a Trump hotel. Well, maybe as a kid. What'd you think? Like, I don't remember. I don't. I, I, well, actually, I just remember it being awe-inspiring. Like, it's just like it's just a positive, fuzzy memory in my head. This is high-quality you know? stuff here. I think I gambled in a Trump uh, casino in Atlantic City. I think that's the only thing I've done. How was that? Was that, a, oh, was it's, that amazing? They're all, no, they're all the, they're so uh, substitutable goods, those casinos. Like, okay, one Caesars. So there's like Greek style letter, like Roman letters. But other than that, it's the same depressing slot machine and uninterested crap stealer. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I can't tell it apart. Uh, so it's amazing. Yeah, so it's amazing. Yeah, basically. They're all incredible. And they're all... Uh, Everyone is equally as amazing as the last one. Although, if you got so, have you guys been to Vegas? Yeah, yes. yeah. Right. So you've been to Vegas once, once. for far too long, <laughs> and you've not been to Atlantic City. No, I have not. So no, it's no. having only uh, as of last year been to both. I went to Vegas. Uh, it's like AC is like the is like the depressed, underachieving, aging brother of like <laughs> you know it's what Vegas wants to be, but just cannot be that. It's just like you got. Old, old sad people just lined up at the slot machines like that's not so much amazing it's just like these really sad people lining the slot machines and just like uh kind of worst of jersey shore type characters uh in the it's just the worst i mean it's kind of fun but it's also the worst i mean we were very out of place when we went to vegas i mean uh remember actually when we went to that club so we had this really famous club called excess and we were we were able to go and we're bankrolled. Our entire trip was bankrolled by one of our friends. Uh, not, we'll not go into the details for legal reasons. Yeah, it's, it's all, it might have been blood money. But you know what? That's, that's all right. So That's a they problem. That's a they problem. That's a they problem. <laughs> so we get an excess. And this is like considered, I think, like a t- second best club in the world. So it's like really famous. And we have bottle service in one of the front tables in this entire club. And this club is like waterfalls and pools and shit. So we stumble in. Impressive club. Really impressive. We stumble in like twelve guys from Hopkins, all nerdy, dressed <laughs> poorly. Like our shirts aren't tucked in correctly. We haven't tied our ties correctly. Hey, <laughs> I had that cool blazer on, dude. I was looking baller. Yeah, so we, we looked like a fucking mess. Um, and suddenly, uh, in the middle of the night, someone started like raining dollar bills. Like everyone thought we were hot shit because we were had bottle service and uh, a table. And we look really nerdy, like, oh, are these guys like fucking like you know the next Mark Zuckerberg? These tech entrepreneurs over here making millions. 
And then people, the jig was up because people started like raining dollar bills, and we just jumped down and started picking up the oh, dollar no. bills. Oh, no, no, <laughs> so yeah. right that's, that's when the sh- that's when the jig was up. Um, that was actually that was Tito Ortiz, um, UFC oh, fighter yeah, next yeah. to us who was making it rain. Yeah. And I think Tito, yeah, thought we were hot shit until we started stealing his do- or like picking up his yeah. dollar bills. That's, and a lot I, of people started yeah. come dancing with us too. I mean, we, uh, Akshay and I claim we were uh, surgeons from Cardio, Hopkins, cardiovascular surgeons. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they believed us. All completely true statements. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it was a fun night. So, like, word of the wise that there's seven whole days in Vegas, is like perhaps the endurance test of a lifetime. Um, three days, four days would have been great, yeah. but like days like five, we were just like, oh my god. I I agree. Just by having been there for three, three or two or two to four days and being like, yeah, that's that's a wrap. We don't need any more of this. Yeah. <laughs> so I could. We are going back to Vegas though for the Evo Fighting Game Tournament, Ooh. embracing the nerdery, not trying nice. to mask it or otherwise transmute it. Fighting game tournament of the century. Um, and I'm excited to go see all of the Trump, like actually go there with the mind of looking for all the Trump establishments. Like I want to see what Trump, uh, I want to see the Trump like jewels up close. See what's you know, in like store the, for us. Absolutely. Probably going to, I wonder if those casinos or anything with a Trump name now is being more patronized. Like is, it, is he doing yeah. It's got to be insane, dude. Especially <laughs> about, like tourists from other countries. It's got to oh, be yeah. like, is it, regardless of how this turns out, the Trump brand is... On, on an all-time you know high right now yeah it's like it seems like it's pretty much win-win he he gets to be president or he that's like the worst outcome yeah right the worst outcome is he's, yeah, the worst outcome is president the best outcome is his brand is <laughs> totally exploded everyone knows everyone knows his name instead of most people uh and yeah and it seems like it's a pretty smart move he could be false flagging for hillary he could, it could be a hundred reasons but like it's all good for him and you know it's whatever <sighs> incredible well, like we've said before, uh, the you know Armageddon might be upon us when all this goes down, Mike. So you might as well make you got to accelerate this this comedy <laughs> this comedy path yeah. before the world ends. Yeah, Trump if Trump is uh, is definitely the sort of a YOLO instigator, right? Like if you if you see his impending president, like lame duck Obama session for when Trump's up next, I'm going ham. You're gonna it's you know, I'm yeah. doing stuff. <laughs> Going him. stuff, yeah. But it'll be a, it'll be a funny down uh, downturn, right? The world might be burning, but we'll be laughing at what Trump's been saying. Yeah, it's gonna be very, comedy. I mean, are you true. guys like? I'm kind of root. I kind of just feel myself rooting for him in the GOP side. I kind of want. I really kind of want to watch a whole election season of what yeah. seems to be Hillary versus Trump now. Like that would just be really amazing <laughs> to see debates between the two. Oh my god, I can't wait to watch yeah, it's, that. It's this really strange tension between like patriotism and wanting to be entertained. <laughs> right, patriotism and like you know what he stands for is not what I stand for. But like yeah, if he's not an e, it's yeah, so good. It's so good. And even if he's not president, like Bernie Sanders, right? Like Bernie Sanders, I th- I think and that probably initially he didn't. I don't think I don't think he expected to win the nomination. I think that's a pretty safe thing to say, but a very reasonable goal of his would be to get his message out there, push Hillary to the left, get people to accept what he's saying is not some crazy communist 50s thing, but like a very reasonable thing, but not actually be president. Yeah. So like you know, Trump could be doing by Trump being uh the nominee, his ideas are going to still be in the system until November and like that's like the the cost of being entertained is that he might have the Bernie Sanders effect on the other side. Like what Trump is saying, like the extremist, uh, anything, immigration, racism, whatever, like that's going to now be what the Republican candidate was. And it could like almost legitimize it, I think. And that's still really bad. Even if he's not actually president. Uh, 
Sounds like you're a little anti-Trump. I better hope he doesn't listen to this, otherwise the wall's going to get 10 feet uh, I'm a little anti-Trump. Yeah, I'm a little, yeah, I'm a little anti-Trump. Sorry. I don't know. <laughs> just got 10 feet higher. Yeah, just got 10 feet higher. And, and, and listen, Mexico, uh, they're going to pay for that. So every time I, I say like, shit, they're going to... The, it's like two Mexican presidents have said they're never going to pay for that shit. He's like, oh, they're yeah. going to pay for that shit. They're going to pay for that shit. How do you explain that? Well, listen, they're going to pay for it, so that's how I explain it. Why would I tell you? Why would I tell you my deal tactics? Um, He's already reneged on him paying uh, paying legal fees for all the uh, people who've been fighting at uh, at his rallies. No, you know really? About this? Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, he was like, if somebody like punches the protesters for me, like I'll pay for your. And legal he's like, fees no, 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 I'm just joking. No, 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 I'm not gonna pay anything. JK. <laughs> that JK, seems like JK. the worst outcome. The normal thing is to never have said that. Step one is say it and follow through, and two is like say it. It's a bad thing to say, and not even do it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. I love the people. I love the people. The peeps. And the people love me. It's just too good. Um, so, yeah, like, make 2016 your year, listeners. Like, that's, again, a recurring vibe, recurring theme throughout this year. Because it might be your last year. So, you know, just do what you got to do this year. Just don't bank on it 2017 being around. January 20th, something like that. No, 5th. I don't yeah. know what day it is. Whatever inauguration is in 2017, January, get yo shit done before then. <laughs> do what you want to do. Tell that girl you think she's cute or whatever. Go to H&R Go Block. Go to H&R Block. Get your taxes done. done. Yeah. Come on. Uh, maybe you'll meet a nice CPA and get married. I have a question about the early 2000s. I think I'd love to know your insight about. So to mm-hmm. me, it seems like when you look back on the early 2000s, it seems like it's just the most like kind of like straight laced, like very like the styles and the everything just seems so very like. For, for lack of a better word, normal. Like, things were just very on the rails. Now, it, nowadays, things are like, you know, we're kind of inspired by the 80s again, and, like, you know, popular culture is a lot more maybe expressive or more, like, weird haircuts and styles and all that kind of stuff. Was it just, like, the cycle, or was it, like, a post-9-11, like, we're all feeling very serious? Like, do you have any thoughts on that? I've always wondered that. Uh. Monica, want to take a stab at that? <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I always felt that, yeah, the things were normal in the early 2000s, but I felt that the fringe, yeah. if you delve deep enough in the early 2000s, was, like, really fucking out there, and you don't see that okay. anymore here. So, like, everyone has, like, come and become more normalized in the late 2000s, but the fringe, you don't see it anymore because uh, I think, like, everyone is, like, eroded at anonymity, so you can't really be that weird. Oh, yeah. f- you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but it did feel like the last phase of anonymity. That's like pre-smartphone. Yeah. Like people had internet, but it was like you could still lurk yeah. in corners of the internet. Like it, it was like four chan before like, the ideas. So I have, to, I have a couple of thoughts. <laughs> yeah, it's like one is like, did it just seem normal? But it was like a can with like pressure building up, and now like the top is blown off, and like that's what we're seeing right now. But it was like it was actually not that normal. It just seemed like it was like all straight and narrow. Yeah. It's like like Monica said, there was actually like. You know, subterranean shit yeah, going on left and right. I think we're crazy. Undercurrents, yeah. Um, and like, yeah, now you you do see a lot more. Like, I think by virtue of just everybody having a smartphone or everybody yeah. being plugged into social media, like expression across the spectrum. Like, you know, you see like throwbacks. You see, re- like, it's like everything is like postmodern, post postmodern, <laughs> like refer- <laughs> hyper referential to like other shit. Like, you know, like Taco Bell Twitter account is tweeting like all these goofy memes. Sonic the Hedgehog's Twitter account is like, it's all really bizarre, right? It's like wrapped around itself. It's very weird, yeah. um, but I but I wonder if like it's, that is just a veneer as well, right? Mm-hmm. Is like that just all, like just how the same entities are trying to communicate along the same lines with the same intentions to the masses. Like they're just using a different, you know, like message basically. It's like, is it actually any different or is like the... Is it just like the packaging, you know? That's a good question. And another variable to account for is age, right? Like, I think we are now at an age where we're going to be 
kind of like the most in touch with all these different threads of society where we're 13 we're middle school like what am i what do i know about the world at all like i've never been to an underground anything so all i see is what's the most accessible and that seems normal to me but yeah so could be a combination of I do, and I think a lot about like what I would have been like, like with my ADD self, if I had had a smartphone at age like twelve or thirteen. I think I would have been a very different human being if I had had been that plugged in all the time. That is, yeah, Um, to grow up with the constant connection from, yeah, like there's there's no more like what you're like in fourth grade, like recess times, time to run around. Now recess is probably as a kid just like staring at smartphones. Like I don't know what it is. What's it like? to grow up with Well, we that. could go check it out, but that might kind of might come across a little creepy. Yeah, as long as we I don't, like, elementary. pee, you know, out, I don't think, I think it's fine, right? As long as I don't just, like, whip yeah. it out and pee, I, I should be okay legally. Or they're being out. creative with Snapchat. You can see that damn Daniel video, Snapchat video on recess. No, what, what was it? It's, like, it's like all over the place. There's just, like, two dudes who, like, made goofy uh, Snapchat videos, and they've got, got, like, I don't know, like, 20 million views in a matter wow. of a few weeks. So I think that's what people are doing on recess, man. They're making Snapchat. Making Snapchat. They're already they're already, like at age like ten, they're getting into that social media game. They're already starting to cultivate their brand. Perfecting the craft. Yeah. The Damn. personal brand. Yeah, man. I guess that's who we should that. be looking for. We should be looking for high school students to market shit. They probably know what gets people going nowadays. I would love to see the scene of you guys like seeking out a high schooler to do your podcast. We probably learned some shit. It's like we, in exchange for you, like disseminating the unwise index among your friends, will give you four hot pockets. Or I was gonna say to be a little more insidious, like we'll get you a six pack or something like that. Yeah. We'll get you. A six yeah, that's pack. we're not. This is not. This is not legally binding. I have not told them to do this. Anyone listening? That this, is a sketch. That's a, that it's would like be us, great us deal. trying to buy curry the favor of like. Yeah. The, yeah. yeah, I'm not suggesting that alcohol is traded to minors for dissemination. Six pack of a podcast, what? We didn't say six pack alcohol. We said six pack of Kool Aid. Right. Didn't yeah. specify. You're right. Didn't specify. Did not specify. I'm the son of a lawyer. I know. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> I know a lawyer, a corporate lawyer who hates his job. Sorry, Dad. <laughs> no, but thanks for thanks for doing that bad job so I can have an easy life <laughs> and complain about getting good software jobs thrust on me when I'm unemployed, yeah. sleeping till ten. And <laughs> no, but I, you know we're gonna go, we're gonna delve deeper here. But I think you're you're like that is a thread though. Like that was common among folks our age. Yeah. It's like. It's this awareness of the fact that we, like our parents in large part have busted their asses to give us like this great life. And we feel this tension around the fact that we want to do these inherently creative or like personally endeavored things, uh, despite like the the alternative or like the baseline, the vanilla being like a pretty good job yeah. or a pretty good life. It's like we still want to veer outside of that lane, even though it's like, it's pretty good, all things considered. I think maybe a way of coping with that is our parents busted ass. When you bust your ass, you bust it for something. And if it's to like yeah. allow your children to have a better life, well, maybe our generation's better life is foregoing high paying job, pursuing yeah. creative pursuit, <laughs> if that's what you want to do. Like that could be your form of better. And so they busted their ass for that. Uh, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Or yeah, sacrificed for your happiness, and I think yes. the definition of happiness is like changing for us now. Yeah, right. But it's not. It's not get that job for forty years and a good pension. It's like, well, maybe we've made it to a point where that's not. Yeah, that's not this thing anymore. Uh, oh, but then, of course, you know, doing that is a much higher chance of. It's like doing that creative pursuit thing is a higher chance for failure and not having the means to allow your kids to have that right. life. So it's almost right. like. I'm yeah. taking the buck that's been passed by generations and like I'm saying now is the time for me to have that life and screw my children. Like, yeah. So it feels selfish a little bit, but like eventually someone's gotta just someone's gotta take the hard work and use it. 
Yeah, that's, that's like kind of an interesting way to think about it. It's like, I'm going to take the buck and use yeah, it. Yeah, I'm going to take like, it. Instead of just passing it <laughs> on. Maybe I won't have kids. Like, let me just you spend it on me. Like, let me spend the, like, debt of generations on myself. I don't know. Or, or just keep doing software and have a kid. And then maybe he'll do what I want to do right now. Or maybe he won't. Or she or whatever. Or who knows? There'll be gender lines are blurred. <laughs> you probably just got in trouble with some organization by saying that right now. Absolutely. 100%. 100%. We have to redact that. I'm actually known amongst some of my uh, high school friends as, as uh, I'm known for Mike, Z, uh, the Mike Zicardo caveats, which basically is just anytime I want to say anything or make any opinion that involves society at all, I have to like acknowledge my straight, white, cis, good job, male status. Like you have to like every <laughs> conceivable like advantage. I feel like, so my opinion doesn't really matter because of these nine things about me, but here's my opinion. Uh, yeah. You heard this new uh, up-and-coming artist, DJ Sismail? DJ <laughs> Sismail. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's a good name. Yeah, it's tough. DJ White Privilege? DJ, DJ Dub P. Yeah. It's t- yeah. And I shouldn't say it's tough because it's the easiest po- it's, it's the easiest problem you can have. But uh, it's, it's like... I watched this video. Uh, was it on like, Reddit or something? But like the, there's, like this, you know, there's like this Trump supporting guy. I guess he's fairly well-informed, at least in the sense of like he reads the internet so he's able to answer basic criticisms. But, like, <laughs> That's my benchmark, dude. Yeah, right. Like he's, you know, he's not completely ignorant. Or, but like he's like trying to... He's just arguing with this crowd of like... I would say it's him and some Trump supporters and then like, you know, mixed race crowd of, you know, there basically was white people and black people who were anti-Trump supporters. And you know, it kind of boiled down to like, even like one of the white guys, like you're white, like you, you like, you are not, you do not have the problems <laughs> that these people have. Like you can't relate, like fuck you basically. And yeah. uh, the guy was like, you know, not having that at all. And I think, I think as the white male with the nine modifiers of having an easy life, you have to like, yeah, that's kind of true. You have to just acknowledge they're like, you can't just try to be right about everything. It's like, you can't always continue the argument because you just don't, I don't know. I'm trying. I'm really trying, guys. I'm trying to like. But you shouldn't be silenced. I mean, that's the main thing. Not so silence, you can, right, yeah. you you can restrain your opinion. But yes. I think that when the uh, kind of the regressive left push you to be silent, I mean, that's, 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 I a, bad, that's, that's a slippery slope. Too far. <laughs> slippery slope. But, but I think like being far. aware, like, and I think it's been so, um, you know, it's been so accentuated or like even at times made hyperbolic on social media. It's like, you know, like, like, like check your privilege, know your privilege. I do think like, for instance, I think about like when we were all in college, like we were all so socioeconomically or so like sort of mentally or intellectually, like kind of within the same place that like, I think like it was easy for us, even despite having like a racially diverse set of characters to like kind of not have to be acknowledged of like any privilege or anything of any of any of the stuff that's like kind of more obvious now, especially in recent years with all of like the protests and all like the, you know, cases that have come about. It's like, I think like, yeah, I was basically just on autopilot because because I could be. And like it's like I guess now in the hashtag real world, it's a little bit harder to be on autopilot. And I, I recently um, experienced like a very relevant thing happen. Like with all the, I'd say in the past, I don't know, six months or so, with just a friend of mine. So uh, it, it is an important detail for the story. My friend from high school, he's Indian, and uh, so basically we are we are like a group of like we have like this email chain. Just light backstory to make the story make sense. We have this email chain. We've been emailing it for a long time, uh, and there are sixteen of us on it. Um, 16 of us on it there are 15 guys and a girl and 14 white people and 2 Indian people so that's, that's a breakdown that is important for the story anyway yeah. so you know th- we've gotten a lot more active in discussing like you know we're not in the same place anymore and we want to have a chance to talk to our friends we'll talk about all of the like 
turmoil in society that might be happening right now. And it, there got to one like fairly heated uh, moment where my, my friend, he kind of talked about like in the midst of the argument, yeah, well, you know what, like, I, when I go to the like when I go to the airport like I'm always quote unquote randomly selected and like people will, like my brother and I went on a road trip through America we were always being stared at and looked at funny and it kind of made yeah. me realize well you know what I've gone through high school like being colorblind to my friends in the sense of like I you know not thinking and this is not patting myself on the back by the way like not seeing my the Indian friends in the group as non-white or different from me or whatever it's like because we're all in the same everything else about our lives the other variables are the same background school blah 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 so like I didn't really factor in that your life had these problems that mine unjustly that you had these problems that mine didn't have so i'm like wow you know what like you can't color blindness is obviously can go way too far the other way like you have to you shouldn't be you shouldn't discriminate based on color and you also shouldn't ignore the fact that people have problems if they are a certain color so it kind of made me realize like whoa you know like just because we went to and so like you know what i mean yeah you can like quickly assume that yeah things are all right i mean no one bothers me, right? Like, yeah, no one bothers me. And so no one probably yeah. bothers my friends who have right, right. went to similar schools, went to a similar high school, like have similar values. Like it probably doesn't happen to them. No, wait, it does, even though yeah. it obviously shouldn't. So I think that was an important lesson that like I learned pretty late in the game. But, <laughs> yeah, I think like with like racial and socioeconomic dynamics or how they color situations a lot of us like that at least in our friend group are pretty blind to it i think because we all grew up in like some form of suburbia yeah. that was like fairly well off and it's like like but all things considered fairly well off it's like if you're in the suburbs like you like monica and i like I, he grew up in ohio i grew up yeah. in iowa it's like even though we were like not many indian people there it's like you were still relatively one of the dudes or like mm-hmm. you know like integrated into the community just by virtue of having grown up there and like you know you, you kind of slot in nicely and it's like it, it's like you. I think in urban settings and in like sort of areas where there is like fraught racial tension, like it was that's a that was a very alien idea to me, and I think still is to some degree. Um, like Baltimore definitely helped uh, sort of color some of that. But like, I, I think like yeah, you just you can be on autopilot for like a lot of your through high school years yeah. um, if you're in a suburban American sort of context. Which which I guess speaks to the to some extent like that's a good I mean that's a good environment. It is obviously sheltering and it is not the way the real world works but it's still nice to exist in that I guess bubble is the common word. Like yeah it's nice to exist in an area where all of your friends are not there's not this there's not that like un, unjust and like unfortunate racial t- you know what I mean? I don't know it's like a yeah. It doesn't prepare for the world, and it might make you have opinions of the way the world works that are inaccurate. But it's like it certainly is nice to live that way. It's nice to live without having yeah. to. I don't know. Yeah, it doesn't prepare you well, but it's 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 a good experience, I guess. Yeah, I think like something that's tangential here was there was, um, Monica, I don't know if you saw this, there was a founder from Y Combinator, which is a startup incubator out here, who is, uh, he's black, and he basically tweeted like a uh, series of comments about like the, what he felt was like sort of like an unconscious racial bias towards like him getting interviews with investors or him being able to talk with people about his company. Mm-hmm. And like, I think what he was referencing as like the sort of unconscious bias or the unconscious actions that people were put, putting forth was very much what we're talking about. It's like, these are like, there's lots of Asians, there's lots of like Indians, yeah. Chinese, Japanese in the Bay Area, and there's lots of white people too. And they're like, it doesn't even register that you could be racist or you could be sort of subliminally like racially discriminatory because like you're around people who look different, but like you are all kind of similar mentally. Um, and you all kind of fit together yeah. neatly, yeah. and like um, I'll, I'll I'll try to dig up this like this sort of like tweet storm as it was, but like it was a very interesting take on like 
you don't get it. Like, just because you have, like, surface-level characteristics of diversity, like, you're not actually exposed to, like, the wider gamut of diversity in America. And he's like, he, would, he did a good job, like, not trying to, like, rant about it, but rather saying, like, um, I, you know, it gets dismissed in an area as progressive as the Bay Area because, like, you think you have diversity, but you really kind of don't. Like, you have Oakland, which is very different than San Francisco. Yeah. And as Mike Z, you know, very different from, the like, the South oh, yeah. Bay. Yeah. And, like, it, it's just, it's not, it's, it's all insulated in its own way, right? Because um, you'll which, optimize for one type of diversity, you'll optimize for maybe racial diversity or gender diversity. But if you mix both of them together, then your chances of actually having a very diverse team or, or interacting with adverse groups becomes less and less frequent because you haven't grown up with those people. Yeah. So if you're like a, a person who's racially diverse and also coming from a different economic background, you're probably not going to be interacting with those folks when you grow up, making them much more different later in life. Yeah, and that's it. I mean, like describing maybe our, I don't want to assume too much, but our Hopkins friends, I can definitely say to a large extent high school groups because you're from the same town, which is more uniformly socioeconomically on the same page. Like having that similarity, I think is, as it, okay, I'm going to phrase this the right way. Like a socioeconomic background, like should, it makes sense that it would play a larger part in the way people are than their race. Because, right, like race like how much how you have to spend your money and manage it and what you can be exposed to clearly should define clearly like make sense that it would define your character more than just what race you are so living in a town where everyone has a relatively similar income situation uh yeah it makes sense that white and indian a group of white and indian friends are going to just feel very similar to each other but then you go to a city where you've got crazy different socioeconomic situations which unjustly is often tied down to racial lines like then that's the the post suburban friction you can experience right like whoa right. i think that makes sense yeah uh, yeah so that could be the name of like a memoir or a book or something post suburban friction Post-suburban fr- yeah it's like or the name of this episode and and and, another, and and just to one final point in that the fact that you're from a town that's socioeconomically similar is almost a little dangerous and says well yeah i'm not like i'm not racist because i look at it's kind of before the colorblind. Like, I'm not racist. I look at all these people, right. and I don't see race. Yeah, because they're all the same class, let's say, right? And so right. it's really easy right. to not have, even if it's not ill will, it's easy to not have different inherent thoughts about people just because, you, you know, you're very similar. And so it makes you think you're not a racist when you could be more because you weren't exposed to real differences. I don't know. Post, post-suburban yeah. friction. <laughs> That'll be no, no. Well, as Kanye says, he's like, "There's a new form of racism, and it's called classism." Class, yeah. But he was he was doing it within a rant about why the fashion industry doesn't like his clothing. Oh, so, okay. I mean, there's that. Yeah. You know what, let's, But as always, Ye speaks the truth. I'm gonna change the name of the special. It's gonna be. It's gonna not be. This might as well happen because I don't want to steal from John Lennon. It's gonna be yeah. Post post suburban friction. That's what's gonna be. That's that's the name of the special. My, Mike's various frictional encounters throughout <laughs> life. <laughs> uh, I wish. <laughs> hey <Hey-o>. Oh, hey <sighs> Yeah, no, I don't do that great. Um, so, YouTube channel you mentioned earlier. Before we wrap up, we have to make sure we actually plug the full string. What is the full name of the channel? Oh, geez. It's not. I don't. I have been meaning to get around to the thing where you can uh, make it your own name more customized. So now it's a crazy random string. Let's go. <laughs> it's, you know, it's youtube.com slash UUID value of something crazy. Here, let me look it up real quick. Typing noise. We can also just put it in the show notes. Yeah, let's let's do that. But what also, about Twitter, Twitter, Facebook. 
Guys, it's, and actually, you know, it's actually really easy to remember. It's youtube.com slash channel slash UCL3BM317UWRDNFMFUHJ91PW. <laughs> <laughs> Is there not like a is there not like an actual like public name for the channel? It's Mike Zicardo. <laughs> yeah. The name's Mike Zicardo. This is a Mike Zicardo channel. Yeah. Um, but I should actually change Oh here we go. Channel tips. This is a square on the right. Get local updates. Get a new custom URL. Your channel is eligible for a new custom URL. Match your URL to your brand to help fans find you more easily. That sounds exactly like what we're doing right now. <laughs> yeah, dude, we're all about that brand matching. So why don't I just get why don't I just get mine right now? Let's let's ask what you. Here you go. It'll look like. How about YouTube.com/c/MikeZicardo? How about that? Why don't we do that? Let's do that. Okay, YouTube.com/c. Should I just do that? Yeah, it says here's what you you look like online. YouTube.com/c/Mike. Oh, or you can add a suffix if you're choosing. Want to add a suffix? Mike Zicardo comedy brand, maybe? No, it's too long. You got to yeah. just stick with Mike Simple, Zicardo. two words. You're right, two words. Two words, All yeah. right, so cancel. Oh, oh, shit. Okay. Claim it here. Uh, we're going to do this right now. So I'm going to go Mike Zicardo, youtube.com slash Mike Zicardo. Uh, change URL. I clicked. Oh, I have to agree to terms of service. Okay, I agree to them. <laughs> you will this give all This is a major step, dude. This oh, my God. It's happening live. Career. This is live on a podcast. I'm changing we'll my whole comedy live. brand. Confirm choice. Oh, God, it happened. You, this channel, what the so now we can go to youtube.com slash C slash Mike Yeah, but now it says this channel does not exist when I go to youtube.com slash C slash Mike Zicardo. It probably is a processing Uh-oh. time maybe or something. Yeah. Yeah, it's got to be. Clouds, clouds take time. Yeah. Channel does not exist. Oh, shit. Oh, if I hit change URL. Okay. Let's not make too much. You'll edit this out. This is fine. Um, we're just talking now. Oh, we're going to leave all of this <laughs> in, man. Oops. This is the gold. Oops. Oh, I hope I didn't fuck shit up. <laughs> Okay, so let's just go with let's go with youtube.com slash C slash Mike Zicardo. Uh, yeah, and we'll just pray that it works. Yeah. And have some faith. Have some faith. Fuck. That's not working. Alright, well it'll probably work. <laughs> <laughs> it'll probably work. Okay, good. Channel tips. The green check mark is next to get a custom URL. So that's really important for me in my life. Um, and my needs. Great. Well, yeah. So that's my plug, and I also have it. No, I should. <laughs> I should. I have a. Uh, I'm actually going to make a website at some point. I already have the domain. It's intothewired.com. Ooh. I haven't made it yet. <laughs> oh man, that's yeah, a good I've one. I've been thinking about how. I, I also have a. I have a website, but there's nothing yeah. on it except it links to my Twitter page and to my to the SoundCloud page for unwise, the Unwise Index. Um, but like, I've been tr- thinking about writing more, but it's like I don't know if people still write on the internet. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, like blah, like uh, yeah. like on their personal sites. Like, if, unless like, are people still creating new personal sites they put fresh premium content onto, or are they just like sticking to Twitter slash YouTube slash podcast, or like going to work for like you know like existing brand outlets? Like, it's like, can a personal site from somebody who is not already established still rise in the year 2016 given the media landscape? Mm-hmm. That is a question I posit. It's uh, it's hard. Yeah, so sad. The, the double-edged sword of the sort of democratization of the internet. Anyone can get on there and start writing, which means there's so much shit that's bad. Not that yours would so be, but shit. like, you know. But we have enough vectors now. We have Mike Z's comedy career. We got the Unwise Index. Like, we've yeah. got a few more vectors to go, and I think we can do it. We're engaged in a random walk across a probability space, gentlemen. We'll eventually hit success. Exactly. <laughs> Just bump into it one day. It's going to be like, you know, Jay or Kanye, one of those guys, like, I, I, I dig this shit. Retweet. Yo, guys. Boom. It works. See, it works. It works? <laughs> it works? MikeZicardo.com slash C slash Mike Zicardo. I mean, YouTube.com slash C slash Mike Zicardo. It works.
Oh man, it works. Hallelujah. Yes. How many videos you got on there? How many plays? How many videos? I have I have a good number, I'll tell you right now. I will view the channel as returning subscriber. Because I got a few private videos on there, if you know what I mean. Um, <laughs> so let's go to videos. I have so each row is one, two, three, four. There's five in a row. So one, two, three, four, five. Five, 25, 27 videos on there right now. Oh, nice. So, yeah. I'm, on your, I'm on your page right now. And I have how many plays? Get ready for this. I got 3,900 views. But actually. Oh, wow. Actually. The, 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 so let's make the theme of this Mike Zicardo's comedy theft. I will say that I have a, um, <laughs> I have a, okay, I have a Tim and Eric Awesome Show Great Job cover band, and that YouTube channel, The Bloody Nips, we've got hell of views, actually. I think it's from people trying to search for real Tim and Eric stuff, and then not actually getting it. <laughs> oh, yeah, collisions. Yeah, we have, I'll tell you what we have, we have, oh, I have to, lo- fuck, I have to log in to get the about, don't I? That's annoying. Whatever, it's something like 25,000, something like it's a lot, uh, but that's just because <laughs> the names of the, yeah. SEO collision. Yeah, yeah. So we have 25k in there, and then, uh, and then you know, whatever. I also have a Mike Z9. Oh, I'm like, I'm going to my own things now. How much? We're just gonna keep this shit recording because we're just gonna stitch together all this premium content. All this premium content. Mike Z90. How much does this guy have? Oh yeah, I got some. I got some Mike Z90. My old YouTube channel before you know, like before you could make your actual Google identity be your like name. There's some stuff on there. Oh, actually, if you want to see Mike Z, like. In his like late teens, with some gold, you watch Mike Z90 with, some, with, the, with the afro with the Mike oh, Z yeah. afro. You got to watch YouTube.com/user/MikeZ90. That's before I got serious. I mean, not that I am. You some gold. <laughs> There's some gold. You're serious, dude. You are an aspiring professional comedian. Yeah, I am. I have to believe. You're serious. I am. Yeah, I am. It's all mindset, man. It's all mindset. Well, I would advise users who want to blast from the past, especially those who don't know me, because it would be less funny that way. Check out Mike Z90. <laughs> It is gold. Oh boy. Was this a bad podcast? Let me just ask. Keep no. this in it. Was this bad? This is a good podcast. This is a good podcast. Great. Great. So I get to. People don't seem to understand my sense of humor. And nobody laughs when I make jokes or make videos. It really hurts. I don't know what I'm doing wrong, but I'm going to try to do better.